Got the stone in my side. I got the boogeyman child. I know just what to do. We gotta take back the throne. We'll let the kids rock and roll. I know just what to do. Stephanie Piddock, patiently waiting for my friends to call in and co-hosts and guests, and uh, I guess I'll be talking to you for a little bit here until they get here. Um, 
to talk about uh, Pedro Albio's campaign, Abio, Ibio, I'm sure I'm butchering his name. I'm looking forward to asking him how to pronounce it correctly. Um, in Finland, the election is next week, and he is a direct democracy candidate, and we're going to find out more about where he stands on the issues and how he is not going to be voicing his opinion and letting the people choose uh, where he pushes the button, so to speak, on the issues as they come to consensus and and vote themselves, which is a uh, radical idea in this uh, representative democracy majority of the world. So that's what we're talking about, direct democracy. And it is a really exciting uh, future we have here. Uh, Italy is uh, with their M... 5S party is doing great things. The Pirate Party in Iceland, uh, Direct Democracy Ireland, Direct Democracy Scotland, and I can go on and on with the people that have joined what has just recently organically formed the International Direct Democracy Union. I'm excited about it. I'm uh, facilitating the development and uh, helping get the word out about direct democracy worldwide. Uh, That's what we need to do. And immediately because things are careening out of control at a exponential rate. And uh, as quickly as direct democracy is growing, we need to counteract this uh, craziness in the world that uh, is uh, befuddling us. So 416, I believe that is Nick. Nick, is that you? That's me. How's it going? Great. Excellent. I was uh, killing some air with uh, some direct democracy talk and uh, waiting for uh, Pedro to call in and uh, Chris Chris Karras as well was supposed to be joining us. Oh, great. So how are you today? I'm good. I'm just uh, just heading home now. But, uh, very good. It's uh, been, been a very busy week. Uh, just getting more and more activity on on Facebook, more groups are starting. Some more talk. Uh, a couple of pages opened up. Uh, one for Ontario, uh, Direct Democracy Ontario. I believe one for Saskatchewan now, and another one for Alberta. And and there was one already for British Columbia. So yeah, things are getting busy. Things are. I mean, this um, it's starting to catch on. That's for sure. It's it's growing at a really incredibly quick rate. Um, I just hope that uh, we can get things rolling as quickly as possible. I have someone on the line from area code 614. Who is that? 614? Your mic is open. Well, 614 might be the wrong number, but uh, it's from Helsinki, Finland, Pedro Ibeo. Yes, hello. Is this Pedro? Yeah, I'm using still an old number from Australia when I used to teach there in that island. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Glad to have you. Are you ready thank for you your election? Me. Are you ready for your election? Uh, we're getting ready. It's uh, much work to get the word across. I love your campaign ad. It's really great. 
Thank you. We we try our best to to make it visually appealing so people understand our our goals, our, our motivation, and and what we intend to do with this direct democracy um, ideas. Yes. Um, yesterday in the the group, we were, we were having a conversation, and someone felt. Uh, that you were being disrespectful by uh, not learning the language, um, which I don't feel that at all. And I would like if you can address that a little bit. Which which language? Which was the incident? I, I'm not recalling that. In the uh, International Direct Democracy Group, someone had posted yesterday uh that they felt that your candidacy was disrespectful because you don't know the language. Oh the language. yes the Finnish language or Swedish. Yes. Well right. yeah. Well uh, to give uh, listeners from, from across the seas a bit of a background. Um uh, Finland uh, is the, the Nordic country in Europe, a welfare state a small country of five and a half million people. And the capital, Helsinki, is an ongoing municipal elections. The capital, Helsinki, is bilingual. The official language is Swedish and uh, uh, Finnish. Uh, English is not an official language, but we have a very large minority of expats, immigrants, which accounts maybe for 14%, like one fourth, and growing. It is likely that uh, in 2050, this number will rise until 30 or 40%. Right. And it is uh, legal that uh, it, already, it is on the, on the, and I mean, every person from the European Union who lives in Helsinki. 51 days can vote in municipal. There is no restriction about the language. Even any right. foreigner, any people can vote in municipal after two years of living in Helsinki. Uh, this year, uh, for the first time, the city uh, sent their citizens letters in 16 languages explaining their rules.
can I just step in here for a sec, Stephanie? Sure, sure. Uh, hi, Pedro. How are you? This is Nick from uh, Direct Democracy for Canadians. Uh, uh, I have that uh, Facebook page. Um, so, you know, I, I've seen your profile, and uh, I, I think it's totally ridiculous that somebody or, you know, anybody would come up to you and say, it's kind of disrespectful, uh, not learning the language. It's totally, it's it's kind of being ignorant because they don't know who you are, first of all. And second of all, you've only been in the country for what, uh, more than 54 days or something? No, no, two years already, two years. Okay. Well, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't think it's disrespectful at all. I mean, I, I've seen your uh, your profile, and again, I, I think you bring to the country a, uh, a lot of talent. Absolutely. And which for me is is the more important thing because where, where I live in Canada, we have a lot of immigrants. I mean, my parents are immigrants from Italy. Uh, and they uh, uh, they barely spoke the language, but they, they got by. But what they did offer was something uh, a lot better than, than language. So uh, with that said, I, I think that it's totally uh, ignorant for someone to say that, uh, especially uh, when they don't know who you are and what you represent. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm totally okay with that. Uh, anybody coming, wanting to come here to uh, contribute in a positive manner, uh, I always welcome that. So, um, now, Pedro, can, can you just give everybody uh, an introduction of who you are and something brief, I guess, if you, if you, if you can. No, I'm, I'm terrible in making brief comments, but to stop me. <laughs> stop yeah, no, no, it's okay. No, we're listening. No, it, no, yeah, no worries. Don't worry about it. Uh, if you want to introduce yes. yourself to everybody. Yes, please. Well, um, my name is uh, Pedro Aibel. I was born in Portugal, the city of Porto. I'm 37 years old. Um, I'm, I have two masters. One is in civil engineering and the other one in architecture. The later one, I did it in Germany. And um, for the last um, 16 years, I lived in 14 countries and divided my life between uh, architecture, arts, music, theater, plays, direction, um, comic novels, uh, and research. So nowadays, I backed away from the, the insane life of architecture, which led me to know the corruptive uh, process uh, of, of architecture worldwide. I worked with a lot of high-profile architects and started a research and teaching in China, Mexico, and Finland on the topic of architectural democracy. Um, I've been very active uh, against uh, or pro uh, topics such as TTIP or uh, the Guggenheim Museum in Helsinki. And this activism brought me into a bit of a public arena. And therefore, this year, two political parties invited me to be a, a political uh, um, candidate, which I normally would have said no, because I consider myself as a, an anarcho-syndicalist. Uh, but after reframing it or after thinking for a while if I could bring something to the to the to the discussion pool, I, I presented my ideas of direct democracy and against professional uh, politicians. Okay, it was brief enough. Right? Yeah, no, 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 no
So, so my first question is, uh, can can direct direct democracy work in a country like America, where the population? And the reason why I'm asking this is because I get a lot of uh, uh, this question, the same question over and over again. Uh, and a, a population of uh, 300 million people in America and 32 million or so in Canada, can can direct democracy work on the national level? Well. Uh... First of all, I'm not saying that direct democracy solves all the problems, but it is a very good way to start from, to give a, a little bit of fresh air to the, the old school the representative democracy, which traces, goes back until the 
giving a direct voice to the decision-making process, meaning every decision needs to be done in the government, in the, in, in the group of people that constitute a nation, should be uh, put out to the citizens and they could uh, discuss among them in, in a, as they want, live or online, and they could they should have the ability to cast a vote on that. We don't need referendums, costly referendums. We can have this online system of, of, of voting, which is secured and uh, would enable a lot of uh, experiments on that. So when, when I talk about direct democracy, I talk about direct decision-making yeah, in a modern, uh, updated time in the area right. of Google and, and Right. Uh, okay, which leads me to my next question. Uh, so, I mean, we have the we have technology nowadays to uh, uh, to kind of uh, facilitate that that stuff. But um, do you think that there in in the direct democracy world, do you think there's room, or do you think that uh, a, a political party should still exist? Well, it, uh, in a, an ideal situation, political parties should vanish, or even political politicians, because uh, then they become meaningless. Uh, but um, I do not think that will happen, and maybe it's not even healthy. What I suggest is that we go into a, a situation of diversity, and uh, it's—I mean, it's not. It's not me advocating most of this. It's, uh, I'm quoting most of uh, uh, a lot of times John Keane and his fantastic work on uh, the life and death of, uh, of democracy. And he calls this time of, of, of times of monetary democracy, which we have a lot of bodies, governmental and non-governmental bodies, which thrive for the, the division of power and to guarantee the, the, that this power is not o overused. Uh, classical examples are the uh, Human Rights Watch or uh, Greenpeace, but also political parties. So it, it's, this is all developing together. So I think we need to push for this direct democracy as well as other people need to push for other solutions. And we need to have a, a diversity of options. Yeah, but do we still need representatives uh, in Parliament um, to facilitate day-to-day -day, uh, business in politics, or do you think that that's uh, something that we can do online? Um, we, we could, in a, in, a, in a, we could, if, if things would go right, we could exclude, exclude them for sure. There is a, a very nice uh, attempt of doing this already since uh, many years. I don't know if you know the Pirate Party. In, uh, yeah, I've heard of it, yeah. 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 So they have a software called uh, the Liquid Democracy. And, uh, yes, I heard of that. They yeah. Also, yeah. It, it's not only that you can vote directly, but you can also uh, vote for representatives, representatives that will cast vote for you. If you're too busy, just choose a person and they will do it for you. But you can always turn it down or deselect him immediately online. So it's it's very uh, liquid. That's, that's why the, it's very flexible. So um, yes, yes, we, uh, 
Philippines could go advantage. Yeah. Uh, I'm all I'm all for uh, technology because I mean that that's the world that we live in, right? Uh, I I'm just worried, and I'm just playing the devil's advocate here, uh, because all software can be compromised. I mean, you got hackers that can break into uh, high tech uh, operating systems that that we don't even deal with, and uh, how, how, I mean, can we? If we vote in a representative, I mean, we can get rid of the, the, the political parties. I'm all for that. I, I don't think we should have leaders or political parties. But um, should we still have representatives for the time being until the technology gets more secure? Or is there technology out there now that we can use so that we can make the representative obsolete? Uh, I, I think we we are not in a good path to make revolution. Um, I'm not uh, a fan anymore. I, I used to be when I was teenager of revolution. Yeah. Uh, they yes, just yes. turned the coin up in the other in the other side, but the, the problem remains. Uh, I'm more in favor of slow pace, or it doesn't need to be slow, but uh, change. Gradually, term in gradual terms into some kind of um, testable uh, outcome. Uh, we do need we do need to change urgently, especially on on times of climate change. But we should also take measured steps in terms of representatives. I think a mixed model is doable. That I gave the example of liquid democracy. There will not be always possibility of having direct voting all the time, uh, and about the software and technology dependence, I am I'm not afraid of that at all. Uh, every invention in the human civilization has always been uh, uh, haunted with uh, now it's going to be terrible and what this will change our lives, this is going to be horrible, let's not use it, with a lot of skepticism. And, and it's there is no solution, and a new. There's no solution that makes all the problems vanish. Every solution will bring other problems. So we just have to continue on experimenting. Uh, there will be no end of history, like Fukuyama said. Yeah, no, I'm just, I'm just saying that because I know there's a lot of people that, uh, believe it or not, they're not good with computers, so they're, they're kind of used yeah. to the old balance system. And uh, yeah. I, I I actually agree with you. We should mix it up a bit so that uh, people can uh, start getting used to the technology. So that you know, before we know it, it becomes second nature for them, right? They can they'll automatically do that, right? Yeah. Okay. So uh, so here's another another thing that we always talk about on on in the chat group. Uh, and so uh, on a referendum, what? in your opinion, would be a good number to, to shoot for, for a uh, yes vote? Uh, like what percentage majority. would you shoot for? Majority. Yeah. Now, what would be the majority? What would the percentage, what would the percentage be for a majority? You asking me? Yeah, I'm at, no, I'm asking you, Pedro, yeah. What threshold? In, in a referendum, a general referendum. Yeah, yes. so any any referendum, you know, uh, I don't know, I think is Switzerland, I believe, 70%, I think, you need to, in order to pass a, a law? Or it, it depends. It depends on the, it depends on the, the, the decision. Uh, 
That's right. That's right. It, it depends. Uh, I think that we should uh, the same model could be adapted, adopted. I mean, it depends on the situation. Most of the times, uh, I disagree with the yes or no solution because nothing in life is black and white. And um, I think there should be more uh, answers Absolutely. to a question or or actually a, a Gaussian curve, uh, like an, an average of a, of a, of a reply. And uh, because yes or no is very limiting and actually divisive. It's not uh, bringing people to consensus, but it's actually dividing. I don't know what the purpose of it. Never understood it. I mean, it's very easy. Look, let's make an example. Uh, I heard this in Germany some years ago. Very nice example. If I would ask you, uh, should there be uh, a limit for uh, wage differences of people working in the same company? Maximum uh, 10 to 1. And people vote either yes or no, right? That's, right. that's a referendum. Right. A better yeah. way would be gather the people and say, okay, how much do you think the boss should get above uh, the, the cleaning lady in the company? Uh, two times more, and maybe five people vote. Five times more, maybe almost everyone votes. Ten times more, maybe five people vote. In the sense, there you see the curve. Yes. There is, immediately would get the right number where most of the people agree upon, and the others don't get upset with. Okay, right. so basically what you're saying is, depending on the on the issue, uh, the percentages you would set higher, and if the issue wasn't as important, I guess the percentages would be lower. Is that what you're saying? Yes, but I, w I wouldn't, I, I, again, I don't think the referendum should be uh, uh, post, uh, the questions of a referendum should not be uh, between a yes or no. They should uh, ask uh, more questions or they should Get ask more for uh, more detail, yeah, more detailed answers. Okay, so they, because, uh, because the referendum divides people, and you see that almost everywhere with the Brexit with the um, basic income just lately in, in Switzerland also. Right. Everywhere. It's in the U.S. with the votes also. Yeah, but every yeah. referendum that they do in Switzerland, don't they give them like a year? Uh, so this way they can do the research and then they, they, they make a more informed uh, decision? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah because well, I, 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 don't, I don't see putting more options in the ballot as necessarily a good thing. I, I think... In my opinion, it should be uh, pretty straightforward. It's either a yes or it's a no, right? Because you're giving people time to uh, to research it and do the due diligence. And when it comes time to the, for the referendum, they, they should be well-informed to decide whether it's either a yes or a no, right? So in this case, we, we disagree, which is good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Okay, no, that's not a problem. I, I, lived, uh, I lived in Switzerland uh, one and a half years, by the way, in, as an architect. In okay, Zurich, now, in actually, it's good that you brought that up. Now, do you think the Swiss model is, is the, the model we should – I don't know if I asked this uh, before, but is that the model that we should shoot for here, in uh, well, anywhere in the world? Should we, should we go for a Swiss model, or should we do something better? Like, what – so basically, what changes would you make with the Swiss model that you would do in Helsinki? 
My God, this one is super complex. Uh, it changes <laughs> from canton to canton. I don't know yeah. everything about it, to be honest. I, okay. I know a okay. great deal, but yeah. uh, I, I know a great deal about it. But again, we can always do better. That's the that's the main point, and we just have to. Um, um, I, I think the most important thing that we have to uh, do is a bit like you, you, your hot guy Bernie Sanders was doing to, to question uh, the the way politics are being done in, in your country. There is many problems, and we have to talk about this. Uh, yeah. And solutions will be according to the local um, reality. So. Uh, I disagree, for example, that the United States of America are such a big... I disagree with the nations that are so big. I mean, Finland is 5 million, and it's great. I love it, because it's a small country where people work together much better. When you have 300 million, or, or Russia, or Brazil, or India, for God's sake, well, uh, it's super difficult. It's super difficult, and it uh, makes, for me, little sense to have a, a, a working democratic model. I have a question. Do you think that if the states were to organize well with direct democracy and, and become a cohesive uh, unit, that somehow all of those separate units could cohesively work together? You mean in the in U.S. or in general? In general. In general. Just Just... Yeah. Just as states by themselves. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, when, when we quoted already the Swiss model a lot, I mean, it's, it's becoming I mean, not that people think that the Swiss Switzerland uh, government is fantastic. It's not. I mean, it has a lot of flaws, uh, but it's, it's a very good example because they broke down the country into small sized cantons and, and, and governments with a lot of autonomy. That's why they are federate uh, states. And I think that's a very good model. But you see other countries that have uh, tried similar approach, like the Brazil, which has also federate states, and uh, doesn't work as well, as we probably all know. But also these, these states are far larger than the small canton of maybe 10,000 of, of GLaDOS, I don't know what they are. But yes, I agree. Break it down, make small, manageable, uh, more autonomous um, states, and then they will have something in common, a legislation or a constitution, which makes them work together. Yes. I agree with that model. Very good. Thank you. I'll, we have another caller here, uh, area code 703. I'm going to turn on their mic. Area code 703. From Virginia. Welcome. Hey, I like Pedro's sentiment. I know he's pissing you guys off if you're progressives because I share the notion that uh, government closest to the people governs best and that uh, this notion that you can govern from Washington with a one-size-fits-all, too-big-to-fail solution uh, we're seeing is unraveling. We need to restore power back to states, restore federalism, uh, so individual states can govern nations. We can't have a one-size-fits-all with Texas and Massachusetts and California and Montana and so forth sharing the same laws because they all have different aspirations, different geographies, 
different demographics. Right. Absolutely. That's that was the point I was just trying to make previously. I agree with you, sir. Well, you guys are progressive because progressives favor a strong central government. Well, you know, I think as a progressive, I think I've come to realize that, you know, the local centralized, the smaller, the smaller centralized units working cohesively together would be a more um, uh, agile unit than something that is so behemoth as the federal government overseeing every aspect of everything. If you understand what Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. You know what? I think something profound just happened. I'm a, I'm a Tea Party uh, adherent, and you're a progressive, and we've come to a meeting of the minds. Yes, we have. Both, yeah, we think Washington is a part of the problem. And Absolutely. For example, in New York City, New York City people don't want to carry guns. They shouldn't have to. If the, if the people of New York don't want to have open carry or concealed carry, that's their business. I respect that. Right. right. I, I, I'm all for, and I'm, I'm all about Second Amendment rights as a progressive as well. I'm very strong about gun rights. Um, I'm not your average progressive, and I ran for Congress this past uh, session as uh, a Green Party supporting Bernie Sanders. Um, I knew that I had an uphill climb as a Democrat was my opponent. And she was a corporate Democrat. She is a corporate Democrat. She won. Um, it was a it was a great learning experience. And I had thought about running for governor, and uh, I was waiting for Bernie Sanders' endorsement. But uh, I had come upon uh, a whole whirlwind of direct democracy, and organically we started a union called the International Direct Democracy Union, and we are. Uh, formulating ways to uh, promote direct democracy and internationally. And it's very exciting. And I'm, I'm so, I, I imagine you came to us through that post I made in the Mike Pence group. No, I, uh, I, I uh, work on blog radio because I find some interesting shows on the, at the grassroots level. So I just oh, okay, great. check it out from time to time. Oh, that's, I'm, I'm glad he joined us because, I mean, it's important that we listen to each other. And um, today I posted about the radio show in a, in a pro-Trump group. I thought maybe perhaps he came from that. But, I mean, uh, we all have to listen, and, and we can come to solutions together. We really can. We don't have to be right and wrong. We can come to solutions together. Yeah, we don't have to be Trump, Clinton, Bush, or... Uh... Right, uh, right. Right. Exactly. Thanks for the show, and uh, I'll uh, I'll continue to listen, and uh, I appreciate the uh, the information you guys are providing. Oh, thank you very much, and please listen to our previous shows. They've been a little heated because we're passionate about what we believe, but uh, if you don't mind a little swearing here and there, uh, you're welcome to listen to our shows. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, thank, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, that was wonderful, Nick. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. We encourage more people to do that. 
if you're listening, call in if you have any questions for uh, for us. You're breaking up a little bit, Nick. Okay, sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay. Pe- Pedro, no, are you there with us? Yes, I'm here. Okay, good. Okay, so um, so Pedro, uh, what are um, so what are some good ideas to try to get the word out to people? Because um, I mean, even though we have a, it's it is growing. Um, I, I mean, obviously there's there's we still have a a big divide. There's not enough people that know what direct democracy uh, even is. Is are there any good methods to use? Like, well, like how do you get your message across? Well, um, again, in many ways, but I, I can explain today's method, which was very funny. Uh, I just came from uh, a talk with uh, in a Swedish school, and there were representatives of uh, on a lot of parties, I think six parties. Uh, you know, in Finland, there is a lot of parties, like most of the European countries. Uh, and um, I, when I spoke to them and to voters, I confronted them and asked them the question, do you stand for representative democracy? And they nodded their heads and I asked them, do you know where it comes from? When it started? Who invented it? And uh, they didn't know, of course. And uh, I had to explain them the little the little crazy fact that it was invented by a 17-year-old king in Leon in 1888 uh, to to progress his um, Christian battles against the, the Maoris. Uh, so, and the, the I mean, and using this as a as a as a method or a system in the in 2017, almost 900 years past. It's outrageously insane, uh, totally outdated methods which we still have not um, put aside. And this was my uh, entrance, and then I explained then the alternative. We have to engage in new methods where people get active into uh, uh, and have a sense of belonging. I don't think it's um, it's a good strategy to to come and dialogically saying direct democracy this is the way and nothing else. I think it's much better to just uh, go with some facts and some ideas on how to integrate people and uh, and if they ask how we then say well the way a way to go is through direct democracy and there's a way to do it with technology. Did you hear me? Yes, I think we lost Nick. Nick, are you there? I think we lost Nick. Okay. Yes, I heard you. I'm sorry. sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. I'm so sorry. That's okay. okay. Um, So, what's the feeling right now in in Finland, particularly in Helsinki, when it comes to the whole uh, European Union thing. Uh, you guys are are you guys part of the, the European Union or no? Yes, yes. We also have uh, euro, so it's it's been 
Well, there's a there's a division. There are some parties or some people who say we should go away from Europe. Some even say we should leave European Union, but those are very it's a very small group. Uh, there is a lot of conflict uh, or discussion because you know Finland is uh, as is between Europe and Russia, and it's uh, as a, a huge border with Russia, in the north, uh, just near Saint Petersburg. Uh, Saint Petersburg right, yeah. is like uh, 250 kilometers away from where I am. Uh, it doesn't feel at all like Russia here. It's a lot of Russians here. Uh, it used to be a Russian state uh, 100 years ago. This year is actually the the 100 years old, like the 100 anniversary of Finland independence from Russia. Um, so there's a lot of tension because of NATO. Uh, should Finland belong, uh, uh, unleash NATO or not? And then you know the whole situation with Crimea. Uh, so it's it's not easy times. Also, the embargo with Russia affected a lot the economy. Uh, Finland is a is a country very dependent on technology uh, innovations. I don't know if you know, but this is where Nokia uh, started. This is the land of Nokia. Yeah. Yes. Linux, yes. Linux, for example, uh, or uh, the famous Angry Birds are from here, just yeah. next to my door. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even more recently, the the article this case, Clash of Clans. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a lot of software-based uh, companies here, and um, so it's very dependent, of course, in in uh, international uh, markets, and therefore also we have a lot of foreigners here. So there's a tension ongoing, and these things have to be, and they're all the time addressed. Uh, addressed. Another thing that which is interesting, uh, which is related also to your country, um, is that we have uh, at the same time, a bit before, uh, but it was, it was last year exactly, a right-wing uh, prime minister was elected. Uh, we, we call him the, the Finnish Trump. Uh, it's called Juha, Juha Tipila. And... Um, he, uh, he's been trying to privatize a great deal of things, and the last polemic act is to privatize the health sector. This has been a huge scandal, and uh, a lot of mm, people's mobilization against it. We are a welfare state, and health and education in Finland are secret, are secret, are sacred. Um, and uh, to privatize them would be a, a destruction of, uh, of the welfare state in, in, in most of the people's view. My, mine, of course. Uh, Stefan, I don't know if you have any questions. Um, actually, the one thing I read about uh, Helsinki that was uh, not surprising but uh, exciting was that it has such an incredible, uh, not climate, well, the the quality of the uh, lack of pollution, let's say, the, the uh, quality of uh, light, air, air quality and uh, mm-hmm. lack, of, lack of pollution. Well, yes, it's, it's a very, very 
comfortable season to live. It's it's cold most of the time, but, but there's a lot of snow. But uh, the summer is very bright. You know, it's, it's very high in the in the in the in the globe. So we get a long days in the in the summer, yes. but uh, short yes. ones in the winter. It, but it's full of parks everywhere. Every corner of the park. That's and, beautiful. And it's thirteen uh, percent uh, of the forest of Europe is in Finland, which is. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, wow. It's, um, um, over a hundred thousand lakes and uh, almost oh. no mountains. So it's, uh, wow. It's a, it's a nice setting. It's like a, if you want a postcard, it's very. <laughs> it sounds so beautiful. I saw some pictures today. I'm gonna look from where I want to see the lake. So we have uh, Maine here where we, I have our, we have a summer home in Maine on a, uh, we call it a camp. It's just a cottage on a lake. And uh, yeah. so we call it the land every, of lakes. Every, lakes everywhere. It's beautiful. Yeah, they're everywhere. These cottage houses are everywhere. Every Finnish person goes the weekend there. It's totally cultural embedded, like going to the cottage house and the sauna thing. Right. Reserve people shy, but they talk in the sauna. When they get drunk, they talk more. It's the classical Nordic behavior. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, you can imagine the uh, outspoken uh, Portuguese uh, Latino influence uh, coming out here and starting to talk about politics uh, in the in the in the public spaces. A little bit. Uh, it has to be done in a careful manner because uh, it's, it can be a cultural shock also. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yes. yes. Yes, very much so. Um, so I got a question for you, Pedro. Um, would you, uh, let's say, just speaking hypothetically here, right? Let's say if you were to uh, win and you would implement direct democracy would you would you have something that I, actually we have talked about here, uh, something called a recall, where if a politician doesn't live up to their to their word basically or representative, would you would you be in favor of recalling him, like basically firing him? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean I said the same about me. Uh, if I like to say when <laughs> when I'm elected. Um, uh, we have we have we have written about this, so it's it's public. Uh, with the rules that we decided to, to put it clear, one of them is, for example, um, the salary. Even uh, I think this is very important to talk about. I mean, this is a teamwork. I'm, I'm not alone doing this. As a uh, Amari and Timo, for example, are doing amazing work helping out. It's impossible to do a campaign alone, uh, and. Uh, it's a voluntary work from ours, from all of us. And uh, after, if we get inside, there will be salary to the elected person. But this is unfair for the people who did the work, the voluntary work. So we agreed that this money is going to be distributed all the time, and it's going to be public, of course. And we, we don't like um, uh, secrecy on that. Uh, another topic is... Um, uh, the, 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 I, don't, I didn't tell this, but we are um, next week we're going to make a hackathon. I don't know if you know what a hackathon is. Uh, yes, I saw, I saw the event. 
I saw the event, yes. Sorry, what is that? So, it, so it's just a get-together of people uh, for like <laughs> uh, normally three days or a week, and uh, they just sit in the same room and uh, try to figure out a solution for a given problem. So it's almost like a marathon with a hack hacking marathon. So it comes hackathon. Uh, most of the time, it's based on uh, software and, and programming. And what we decided, we decided to do this with, uh, with the support of the Konya Foundation, which was a very important foundation here, um, that we uh, customized the existing apps for uh, online voting into the specific case of Helsinki. Um, so not just taking one that's out there, which there are many, but picking, trying to see which one would fit and adapting our ideas and customizing it to the, to the local situation. Oh, that's for example, great. One, yeah. For example, one thing that we, actually we've read an article. We've been reading a lot of this, uh, and we have support also from uh, people from Berlin uh, that are consulting us on this. Um, and uh, there was a nice article that comes from the U.S., uh, from the MIT, about the wisdom of crowds. And uh, I suggest uh, to share it or to your readers. Uh, and um, it's well stated there that uh, a, a diverse group of people um, with no information of the other one person voting with two f questions, the result of the voting is much better than if you ask a group of experts on the same topic. And right. this. And this is not the only test. There's a lot of other tests, but there's always a concern how to do this in a practical terms. And MIT uh, suggests this approach, and we think has very good ideas. And we want to implement some of these into this hackathon. And uh, but not only. I don't know. Also, if you are aware of the the five star political party in Italy, where they yes. they're using. This kind of apps, but of course it's not totally perfect. But it's, I mean, again, it's start. It's a great start it's to shake up the, the the establishment and to rethink the, the whole process. It's uh, yeah. Go ahead, something. I was just gonna say it's it's beyond time. I mean, right now everything's converging. <laughs> the technology, the technological ability, and the desire of the people for change. Um, we need to change badly, and the people are just just aching for it. Yeah, I, I agree. Yes, it's, it's true. But better, better late than sorrow. No, no, that's for sure. We're, uh, we're working. So, on it. so, Pedro, you're originally from Portugal, right? Yes, yes. Um, I, 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 do you still keep in? I, I'm, I'm. I'm assuming that you still have relatives there and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, what's this, the political situation or the economic situation there in in Portugal? Because I've heard that it's it's in it's in pretty rough shape. Well, it's now it's uh, the latest report is that actually it's in in, in a much better shape. I, I, I'm I'm always mistrustful about these reports because. Uh, I don't. I don't really know what the source or what the purpose of them. If it's to 
give people some good mood and they continue working or not. I don't know. Uh, the the whole situation in Europe was uh, probably, I don't know if you guys know, but there was a lot of problems with Greece uh, since uh, two years or three years ago. And uh, Portugal was also sinking down and Spain also because with the Eurozone, which means all these independent countries share the same uh, 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 currency, um, they they lose the ability to uh, devaluate or, or the currency adapting to the economic situation of the country. And uh, there are mechanisms for this, but it, it hasn't been working and therefore it has created a lot of clashes how to deal with this. I don't think uh, this has been done properly, especially in the Greek case. Greece is really not in a good shape. I've been there. I went. I was in Greece the last two years every time. Uh, and Portugal, I'm always there. It seems a bit better, more stable. So uh, I wouldn't be so concerned. But in general, there's a lot of. Uh, also, in Finland, is going through a recession. A lot of cuts in education. Uh, and it's not. Uh, uh, great times here in terms of uh, eco economy, but I don't know. Again, many people say this is just a, a, um, a myth that we are doing fine, and uh, it's just a, a way to cut on things that you, they want to cut to give to others. So, fake news, uh, true reports, uh, hard to say. Um, so, like in, in well, like. Uh, I know I've heard of the situation in Spain and Portugal, and, and I hear that it's pretty bad there, especially Greece. I mean, the country is pretty much getting gutted out. But uh, in Portugal, do they do they have a party that is uh, supporting direct democracy? Because I know in uh, I, I don't know too sure about Spain. Mm -hmm. I I know Italy's got the five star movement. Uh, I know Greece is is trying to start one. In Portugal, do they have anything in regards to direct democracy or a movement? Yes. Well, actually, the the the, the, the current government uh, is uh, from the left. It's a coalition of the, the very the bloc, the Esquerda, which is a very left-leaning party, and the, the central left. And they've been doing quite a good work. I mean, it's not perfect. Uh, I mean, again, uh, I remind you that I'm an anarcho-syndicalist, so <laughs> I have my reserves about all this process, but. Nonetheless, they have been consulting more on population, and just recently they made uh, the first ever worldwide uh, national participatory budget. Um, oh, wow. Which, oh, wow. Uh, which costed the country $4 million, which was very criticized because they say, well, this will not bring much. And it's true, it doesn't bring much. But it's, you know, which, what starts first, education or participation, right? Uh, Paris already did this, uh, I think, last year or some years ago. I'm not recalling. Uh, the, but it was just Paris, participatory budget. Um, but it costed Paris $100 million. That's an absurd amount. Uh, wow. Just for the process of consulting the population. But there are tools being done, and these, these things are being um, asked. And uh, uh, there, there's a lot of uh, movements also in Portugal. It's not... Uh, it, they're not sleeping uh, nowhere in Greece also it's a lot of things ongoing yeah I mean like, what's happening in Greece right now is just uh, is really really bad I mean 
I've talked to me and Stephanie. I've talked to some some guys from 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 Greece, and it's really it's it's. I guess it's kind of desperate. Oh, they're very desperate. Yeah, they're very desperate there because I guess the uh, IMF um, or Germany or whoever they owe the money to is uh, basically now saying, "Well, if you don't have any money to pay, then we're going to start taking your assets." Uh, so I guess what their uh, pensions or whatever money they have in their bank. So it's, uh, well, it's a pretty sad state. It's a funny, yeah, it's a funny fact. That I, I don't think I ever went public on this, but uh, I don't mind saying this. The 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 party leaders, uh, the, the well, the prime minister of, of Greece, is a close friend to the one of my uh, colleagues in the Left Alliance Party, which I'm now a candidate for, Pabu uh, Arimaki. And by coincidence, we met in Athens two years ago in the in the main square, uh, in the breakfast table, and we had a discussion there. And uh, I was talking with him about um, why is the left party, uh, why is Tsipras leaning to the right wing? And he said, well, there's not much you can do about it. It's, uh, it's how the politics works, it's how the system works. You don't have so much options. Um, and it turned out to be totally true. It, it, it continues so. Uh, the right wing uh, policies ongoing are extreme. And, um, and even if you're a left wing party or person, uh, there's uh, little one can do. So what one needs, one needs to recall that in public and say that the system, <clears throat> what we currently have as a system, political system, is not uh, working out. Even if you elect uh, left wing parties, it's, it's not. And they, they, they can't do so much. Yeah. Now that part, that, that person that you're talking about uh, was Verifuk. Was it Verifuk? Verifukis, I think his name is. Babu Babu. Yeah. Yeah, Verifukis. He was a finance minister for that party, but then he quit. Yeah. Now is that the same party? Yeah, it was the same party. Yeah. Okay, oh, okay, because that's the, I mean, uh, during their campaign, um, apparently they were making a lot of promises about you know if they were going to stand up to the EU or all this. And then when they when they did get voted in, uh, they totally went to the to the opposite. Now could that be because they were getting pressured? Uh, yeah, it was a huge amount of pressure. Yeah. Totally. Now, super strong. They, now, would it be a possibility that maybe that they were being threatened to maybe? Uh, well, threatened with the financial uh, um, financial threats, yes, sure, like uh, or, or setbacks. I, it, the topic is very large. I mean, to cover it now here, but uh, there was this referendum. Uh, public referendum, which was organized very fastly. This was two years ago. Uh, and uh, it, the, the, uh, if, if Greece should say yes to the, to the proposed solution from the European Union or no, a clear no was voted. And nonetheless, uh, the government of Cyprus went for a yes, 
which was ridiculous. And of course, uh, Farfakis um, quit. And uh, now, from that movement, uh, Farfakis has, uh, has created a, a sort of a pan-European party, uh, which is called DiEM25. DM uh, there is a there's a lot of DM25 sub branches in almost every country in Europe, and mostly it's just a discussion group. So I actually met them last week. Uh, so again, uh, diversity of of democratic institutions trying to find a, a better way to solve the status quo. Okay, so well, now leads to my next question is that. Um, so how, how do we avoid that pressure if we want to implement direct democracy? If we want to, I mean, if we want to support a political party, that's that it's their mandate to implement direct democracy. How can we avoid that pressure? I mean, or the, even the threatening, like, how do we, how can we deal with that? Because we don't want another, mm-hmm. uh, another, another Greek situation happening here or anywhere. I don't have a, a magic solution for that. Yeah. I would I would say it's not healthy to be based on on parties. I mean it's it's good to be um, part of a an, a group of people. A party is also interesting and working cooperatively is important. One reaches more people and more work is done if um if one works in a group for sure. But they have a very bad reputation from all these centuries of, of a party-based system. And um, maybe we should focus more on uh, isolated solutions where there's mixed approaches. Of course, mine being an example, but I think if everyone starts to make these different approaches, independent, uh, belonging to a party but still independent, going for online voting, and if everyone makes different approaches or similar ones, sooner or later, the alternative becomes more uh, sedimented. And But we are seeing this already uh, um, uh, coming up. For example, the, the mayors, I mean, the mayors of Madrid or Barcelona or even Porto in Portugal, the mayor of Porto is, uh, is independent, but supported by uh, a major party. So there are these mixed solutions. And I think we will not get away from the pressures or the problems. We just have to keep on fighting from either just talking in radio shows like this, writing, participating, activism, or all of that uh, campaigning. It's it's the diversity which will make uh, solutions come to be. Absolutely, it is the diversity, and and I don't know if you've read the book Crowdocracy. Have you heard of that? Oh, I heard about it, but I have not had a chance to read it. I just started reading it now, and it talks about the the diversity being key in the small groups, so it's uh, right on target. Yeah. No, I, 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 I mean, you bring up some good good points, Peter, but uh, I think, and I've been told by a lot of a lot of people that I think the only way you can implement democracy is if you play their game. So, um, I mean, getting a, a political party in place that is going to mandate that you that we have direct democracy would, would be the only way to do it. 
Um, yeah. And of course, of course, awareness. You know, talking about it, opening up Facebook uh, Facebook pages and groups like I have, like Stephanie has. That's a great idea. But I, I think there's only one way in, and and that is through the the representative democracy model of getting in that yeah. door. I I can't see it any other way. Yeah. Do you agree I agree. Or I agree fully. We have to play with the rules that are there and try to bend them in a way that will create improvements. And my case being a, a simple but a good one, being independent in a, in a party saying I'm against professional politicians when all of them are aspiring to be one, or most of, our, most of my colleagues when I'm in a room are professional politicians and I have a, a little pin on my jacket saying no, Respect their work, nonetheless. I mean, it's nothing to do with their personality or their work, but I, I'm just putting in, in check something that should be questioned. And I think they understand. Most of them understand that very well, and they, uh-huh. they, they would be like uh, saying yes or no. I, you know, there is. There is a lot of room for discussion, and these people are also doing amazing work on on, on representative democracy. Uh, but I think it's uh, it's time to to show them that there is um, better ways, and it's not just uh, being uh, utopic about it. And if you play by their rules, they will respect our voice much better. And they will listen, and probably they will even incorporate in their own uh, process. Yes. Yeah, but don't you think that the corporations are, are dead set, are dead set against uh, any type of direct democracy because they don't because they know um, if you have that in, in a country, that basically they're they're powerless because now um, you have this model in place that gives power to, to the people, and they have the final say. So uh, corporations uh, they can do whatever they want, but at the end of the day, they have to answer us now. Do you think that well, that might be a problem? I mean, what I'm trying to say is, don't you think that they're going to try to stop it anyway? How, like, you know what I mean? Yes, of course. I mean, there's always, there's always going to be uh, conflicts of interest. Corporations uh, are famous for that. They will find, um, as they do, as they did with the carbon trade, for example, uh, or, or so many examples. Um, it's going to be uh, the same approach, but what we also need to be thinking is that when we're talking about changing the political uh, or improving the political structure, this goes in, in hand in hand with changing or improving the work culture. Uh, and this you see already a lot in the Nordic countries, for example in Norway, where the, um, all the salaries are public. I mean, in every company... The salaries are even printed in the wall, so you see who is winning, who is earning what. Transparency of salaries is a, is a fundamental step to understand, should I be working in a place where my boss gets five times more but works two times less than I? Exactly. Uh, maybe I should. Yeah. And this creates this discussion among individuals. If there is transparency, there is room for discussion. Uh, if as an architect, uh, I'm, I'm, we, as an architect, should be also playing a far larger role in, 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 
in developing the city so the the public discussion post like city square come back also that people exchange ideas uh, and nowadays we have the situation that to talk with somebody you need to consume you need to go to a cafe place or esplanade uh, in a city square right, it's very right. difficult to speak and to discuss and to exchange ideas because this will lead to a group formation to um to uh, challenging the 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 status quo eh? so um if we have this in mind that it's not just the politics that we have to improve but it's about institutions our daily job our friends basically if we improve talking to each other like we are doing today you guys in the US, me here on the other side of the world, if we talk, talk, talk and exchange ideas, it's just going to improve. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. That's for sure. Okay, so... Um, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, Nick. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, here in Canada, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's in, uh, in Finland, but we have Bank of Canada. You're breaking up, Nick. Uh, it's supposed to. Originally, in, in 70, before 1974, we, we lent out money uh, interest-free to all the provinces. So, you know, they, they went to build hospitals, highways, bridges. It was loaned to them. Uh, You're breaking the, up, Nick. They would have to pay it back in a certain amount of time. Well, after 74, uh, the current prime, uh, prime minister, Trudeau, Trudeau, Trudeau Sr., as we call him, he actually changed it so that any money loaned out from the Bank of Canada wouldn't be from the Bank of Canada. It would actually have to go out to uh, private lender. So as you can see, our debt has just uh, tripled or tripled. And in the States, it's even worse with the Federal Reserve. Do you think uh, that um, Finland should have a, or not Finland, but, uh, sorry, Finland should have a uh, infrastructure bank, or they do have a national bank, but should every country borrow the money from the central bank uh, from their own bank. I don't know if you understand the question. Can, can uh, is it uh, about if if uh, Finland should have a national bank or should all well, should local national bank? Yeah, Finland has a national bank, right? Like the Bank of Finland. Do, do they not yeah. have that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yes. So well, I, I don't know. I don't know. So do you when uh, so let's say if uh, uh, the country of Finland wants to build a bridge, they're going to have to borrow money, right? Uh, so would they or sorry, let's say if a province within Finland needs to build something like a bridge or something, they would have to borrow money from the, the European Union, right? Uh, we're going to topics that I'm not so uh, okay. Well okay, involved. so what? Uh, well, what I mean, I'm trying to say is, like, I know a little bit, but uh, but if there's a larger question to that, I mean, I, I'm not an economic expert. Sure, sure. No, I mean, the reason why I'm saying that is because our, our like in the states, the uh, the the debt tripled or quadrupled. I mean, it's 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 uncontrollable now, and it's, it's because they they borrowed money from the Federal Reserve, which isn't a national bank; it's a private lender, uh, and yeah. and because of that, now their debt has soared. Here in Canada, we used to have a Bank of Canada where we would borrow money, not not individually, but province. Each province in the country would borrow money from uh, the Bank of Canada, 
and they would loan it to the province for infrastructure, uh, interest-free. And now what happened after 1974, uh, Pierre Elliott Trudeau uh, got rid of that, and now provinces would have to borrow money directly from a private lender, which in turn, which in turn cripples cripples everybody because now we have to pay not only the loan but we have to pay the interest on top of the loan. So I just wanted to get your your opinion about that. If uh, if that's something, uh, maybe you would uh, try to uh, I don't know if you would advocate for that or, or if you agree with that. Well, I can give my opinion in a broader. Uh, in a broader way, uh, I do quite a lot of work with uh, the Commons, uh, which is uh, an ongoing movement to uh, the Commons Assembly in, in Europe. Um, and uh, we are uh, very much in favor that uh, things like health, education, and money are commons. They should not be private assets, privately controlled. Uh, there should also be alternative models of currency, which is already ongoing. In Finland, we have quite different... Uh, uh, people can actually pay in the supermarket with Bitcoin. I don't know if you know Bitcoin. Yep, yep. In the normal supermarkets, many of them you can actually pay with Bitcoin. And you can also use the Time Bank, which is uh, uh, it's also another model. Or uh, I mean, there's different uh, approaches uh, in, in, in this country, but in, in, in general, um, uh, I think uh, we should question that as, as we are questioning the, the political structure. We should not be just focusing on the, it's important of course, on the details, like uh, who is owning, I mean, who, is it the private, is it, uh, is it state owned and so on, yes, it's important. We should go a bit deeper and uh, question the, the necessity of privately controlled uh, entities such as banks, which uh, undermine most of, of, of our existence as we call them. Yes. 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 Okay. I, mean, I, so, think uh, I, just, I just think that the discussion should be enlarged from detail to general question the, the very existence of privately controlled uh, um, loan makers, I call yeah, uh, banks. Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, Steffi, I don't know if you, had, if, if you have any questions for him. Well, I guess the biggest question I have is how are you polling? Excuse me? How are you polling? What's your uh, chances of winning? What 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 are they? Oh, what are your projections? Oh, it's very difficult to. I wish I know. <laughs> Look, it's, it's the first time I'm doing. It's the first time I'm doing this in in Finland. Um, we are we we really are trying to get the word out. Uh, if we would have more time, and we also started very late. If we would have more time. I am sure we would just smash it because yes. every time we meet people, they, um, they, I mean, I don't confront them with any ideology. I just, I just explain them um, the need of diversity and basic things of of a, a, a morally grounded person, uh, not a, a 
history and, and the history also of democracy and the history of the country and Europe. And this gives assurance to a lot of people and uh, most of them uh, give uh, support. Uh, now, it, we don't need many votes, uh, but it's a small country and uh, it's a family attached country. So every, every candidate wins not by their ideology, but because of the number of friends or family that always voted for them and so on. So it's, it's municipal elections, don't forget that. And uh, so the, the, the ones who have always been there are the ones who are going to be elected, and there is some room for newcomers if they play their cards right. And uh, we are trying to do so. But having said that, even if you don't win, uh, that's not the main priority. That's not the main thing. The main thing is to start the discussion. That's why we're doing this hackathon and developing the app. Invitations have already popped up for conferences and to use the app in other situations beyond the election, even if we don't win. So this is already happening. So uh, uh, it's a, we can call it a little movement. It's not. Uh, it's very pretentious from my side. But, uh, that's that's the, that's the that's the best news until now. So well, we're happy. That's great, Nick. Well, if you don't have many more questions, I I go to sleep because you hear it. <laughs> <laughs> Must be late there. What time is it there? Eleven twenty. Oh wow! It's only. It's dinner time here. It's five twenty here. Yeah, and there's well, we'll five o'clock, five a.m. flight tomorrow to Holland. <laughs> oh, well, we'll let you get to sleep, hon. It was a my pleasure meeting you, and I look forward to more discussion and more, more dialogue and uh, more solutions yes. and ideas. And this has really been a wonderful, wonderful uh, conversation. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you for this. I think you're doing a great job. And this is very important to be talking, do more of this, share the ideas, and invite guests. And, and it's super important what you're doing. Thank you. It's my pleasure, and uh, I, I enjoy every second of it. It's a, it's a labor of love, and I enjoy uh, spreading the word of direct democracy because, like our earlier caller, you know, once he understood, he. He he saw that there are no parties that that they're distracting us, and he really saw mm-hmm. that, and that was that was really profound. What happened earlier? Yeah. So Pedro, I, I just wanted to ask you one more thing before we let you go. Um, if, uh, sometimes we have debates on here. Uh, we would like to invite you back if we can, if you want to have a, a debate. I mean, they're not. Uh, we don't we don't get in, we don't insult anybody. We just have like a, a very respectful uh, debate. But it's it's also good too because people are listening and they can actually learn a lot from it. So I, you know what we we invite you back anytime if we ever have one. Yeah, I'm happy I'm happy to join uh, whenever okay. possible. Yeah. The debate and, and is what, fundamental. It also makes me aware of things that I didn't know. That's yeah, right. We'll try to find a time. We'll try to find a time where you're not you know you're not going to be going to sleep. No, it's yes. fine. This time is fine for me. I just, it's just yeah. a question that tomorrow I have a flight. Normally, I don't have a flight every day. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. All right. Anyway, well, uh, safe Pedro, travels. It was nice meeting you. Safe travels. Nice meeting Pedro. you. Thank you again. Nice meeting Thank you. you. See you soon. 
Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Nick, that was a wonderful show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm sorry. His his reception was a little tough to take sometimes, but uh, I wish... It seems the overseas calls are a little hollow-sounding. No, actually, I think he was more on a speakerphone. Oh, was that what it was, speakerphone? Oh, we should have told him. Yeah, he was... Next yeah, I was going to tell him, but yeah, I don't want to be, I didn't want to, <laughs> I don't want to be rude, but, but no, he's a, he's a really interesting guy. I mean, he's a, he's a pretty intelligent guy, very articulate. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, uh, I mean, we, next time we do have a debate, we definitely have to have him on. Maybe we can absolutely. have Terry Hand, Pat Green, and, uh, and, and, and Pedro, and Pedro. All the same, uh, on the same call. Oh, that would be a, that would be a, a blockbuster for sure. Well, absolutely, absolutely. I want to thank you again, my co-host and friend. It's uh, this has been a real adventure, and it's very exciting. And I want to talk for a second before we go about the union uh, and how it organically grew, and uh, and the talk of coming up with some sort of a standard of direct democracy that uh, the parties can kind of adhere to and and have that kind of unifying thread throughout all of the direct democracy parties throughout the world. Um, I think it's time that we uh, unite and show our power and there's power in numbers and uh, we have the same ideology and that's people power and that's what we need to uh, rally behind to advance our cause. Totally agree. Yeah, no argument here. Uh, Actually, it's the groups that we have, we have uh, an international group. I believe it's called the Direct Democracy International Group, I believe, Stephanie? Yes. Look it up. Um, so if uh, anybody around the world, uh, if you have any questions, uh, I mean, or if you're running some sort of campaign or if you have a, a Facebook group, uh, feel free to come on uh, and you can chat us. We're all there. You can talk to us there. Uh, there's also one for Canada, which is the one that uh, that I run. It's a direct democracy for Canadians group. And also uh, the the one that Stephanie mentioned that we just uh, we just opened up now. Again, I invite everybody to come on, ask questions, uh, question everything, debate, whatever. It's it's there for everybody. And the name of it is International Direct Democracy Union. And uh, great name, by the way. And it's on it's on Twitter as uh, at IDD Union, and uh, you can also look at our uh, Blog Talk Radio page that has the links to our Twitter and uh, Facebook page as well. Thank you again, everybody. This has been a real a real treat for me. I mean, I this is my passion. I love every second of it. Again, I can never say it enough. I love you all. Thank you. And I'm going to leave you with uh, the song, There's a War Going On for Your Mind. It's only about a minute, so hang tight and take a listen. Have a great night, Nick. We'll talk to you online. See you, Stephanie. Okay, bye-bye. Surgical strikes from trapper keeper collages and online magazine racks. 
undercover girl cut out through a pop-up ad infecting victims with silicone shrapnel. Worldwide passenger business deployed paratroopers. Now it's raining pornography. Lovers take shelter. Post-production debutantes pursue you in NASCAR chariots. They construct ransom letters from biblical passages and bleed mascara into the holy water supply. There is a war going on for your mind. Industry insiders slang test tube babies to corporate crackheads. They flash logos and blast ghettos. Their embroidered neckties say, stop snitching. Conscious rappers and whistleblowers get snitches made of acupuncture needles and marionette strings. There is a war going on for your mind. Professional wrestlers and vice presidents want you to believe them. The desert sky is their blue screen. They superimpose explosions. They shout at you. Pay no attention to the men behind the barbed curtain, nor the craters beneath the draped flags. Those hoods are there for your protection, and the meteors these days are the size of corpses. There is a war going on for your mind. We are the insurgents.